hallelujah glory to god welcome back welcome back how was the test i believe they were simple questions all right thank you very much for being back this early so it's time to go into the question and answer session just before we move on can we have a word of prayer please everlasting father we thank you great and mighty god our heavenly father gracious and holy mighty and wholesome lord we worship you we have come to worship you in the beauty of holiness we have come to say lord we love you we thank you for how you are fathering us thank you for your love that lord we cannot even doubt thank you lord jesus christ we worship you thank you for your glory that is evident to god upon this platform and everyone in this platform lord will say be exalted in the name of jesus this evening we have come again to feed at your feet oh father we ask for wisdom we ask oh god that the spirit of god will come and take over to answer our questions this evening in the name of jesus lord we ask for supernatural clarity we ask for divine help we ask this day oh god that lord you will answer every question in the hearts of your children long you know questions questions that have been in the hearts of your daughters for a long time lord we pray tonight we receive answers to all in the name of jesus let your name be glorified and let these answers come to us in simple and practical ways that we can begin to use them and get the divine results we desire in jesus name thank you so much father in jesus name we pray amen and amen all right welcome one more time the way we're going to go about this this evening is that um you know uh, my pa is here in the person of um, miss dami awotunde so she's going to read the question and um i would be answering the question you know so that's what we are going to do so please celebrate with me Miss Dami Awotunde, this beautiful, beautiful evening. Glory to God. Miss Dami, you are welcome in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So are you ready? Now, um, I, I want to, you know, say to you that if there is any question you have asked and maybe you still feel you don't have clarity on it, note it, we will have another question and answer session after our para-ministry teachings we have ended ministry teachings teachings on ministry so next week we are going to be starting para ministry you know topics so get ready it's going to be awesome amen and amen okay so um miss dami can we have the first question okay question one when a lady marries a pastor and prophet and she knows that she's submitted to him not just as husband but as a personal pastor and prophet what happens when there's a disagreement or quarrel in marriage i mean how can she navigate it and get a point across because of the sensitivity of her position as she's talking to her husband and pastor all Thank right wow praise god i mean um this this um question you know reminds me of so many things like i said when i was teaching that if the lord permits i want to write a book that my husband is my pastor. Now, the first thing I would like this young lady to know is that your husband is wearing two caps and you must recognize it. Praise God. Now, for you to deal with him as though you are just dealing with your husband, okay? 
um, you are going to have some challenges because there will be time that there will be times that he would want to stand in his office as your pastor, but you will think that you are dealing with your husband, you know, and um, this happens often and again. Yes, every wife wants a husband. Your husband sits in your pastor, so it becomes, you know, something, something really unique. And um, that was what the teaching on the placement ministry, especially the ministry of the pastor's wife, was basically about. Now, the good thing is that something is common to both sides. At the same time, you know, there is a part that... Um, could be a little off what is common to both. So let me put it this way. Um, your husband to you is your lover and your friend, and that's the way every woman wants to feel about her husband, which is no, okay, which is not anti-scriptural. But um, we also need to realize that the first disposition, you know, of... Um, uh, a husband of a husband or the way the wife should accept the man according to scriptures is first of all the place of honor amen, amen. it's the first first of all the place of honor and sometimes in marriage this causes conflicts even in marriages where you know the man is not a pastor in that sense not your pastor you know we women want to deal with our husbands as friends and lovers amen first before anything but the man wants submission first before being a lover and a friend glory to god so that is where most crisis you will see that commonly in many marriages most husbands will say you don't know how to talk to a man or you don't know how to talk to me why because you are trying to talk to a friend okay like the way you will talk to your female friends but um he wants a talk from his wife who is submissive to him, you know, and um, the word submission there does not mean rulership. It means leadership. So what he's saying, you know, it's part of what we're going to take in para ministry affairs. We are going to be talking about marriage and ministry. Praise God. Okay, so we'll wait for that teaching. But the important thing there, you know, is that um, the man wants the woman you know, who is submissive to him. So the woman must understand that, yes, my husband is my friend. Yes, my husband is my lover. But more, more attention should be paid because the other two will come naturally. I should be more deliberate about treating my husband like the king in the house, like the boss in that sense. Well, I don't want to use boss so that you're not thinking about someone bossing it over you. But look at it like um, your good boss in the office. Yes, he's your boss, but you know, he's, he's your friend in that sense. But you don't, there's a, there's a way you talk to him. Amen. And um, there's, a, there's honor in your, in your dealings with him. Why? Because he is, you know, your boss at work. Your husband wants you to address him that way. All right, so when there is an issue between you and your husband that happens to be your pastor, there are two things you have to pay attention to. The first thing is the timing of raising the issue. Amen. Because if the timing is at a time where is, you know, in the mind disposition of a pastor, 
and you are trying to raise something that has to do with love, emotions, marriage, something that ought you, you are going to most likely meet, you know, a side of him that you don't want. Especially, you know, um, if you are trying to do that in the presence of people, he would definitely frown at it. So the timing is very, very important. The timing, and maybe I should have the place where it is said, okay and secondly very importantly it's um the way it is said glory to god now i want to encourage wives who are pastors it's a training i had to train myself into it it doesn't come naturally but you see as you take it deliberately you will be trained right now i don't struggle to do it anytime you are hungry don't talk to your husband as much as possible. I mean, what I'm saying, I'm not saying don't talk to your husband, like ignore him. No, that's not the time to talk about that thing you are hungry with. Because women are, you know, more um, emotional in their responses to things. We tend to talk not really dealing with the issues, but we pay a lot of attention to how we are feeling. Praise God. You know, and we kind of want the man to feel, want to make him feel our pain. But men are not feelers in that sense. So when you are trying to make him feel your pain, you are saying it the way it is paining you in that sense. You are boring the man. The man feels like you are very unrealistic. The man feels that you don't face facts, you don't face figures. Amen. You know, because he is very rational. He's trying to think that what's this woman saying? What is he complaining about? And the man feels that you are complaining about him. You are nagging him. Is everything about him you don't like? Whereas that's not the situation. But it's the way we talk. You know, you always do what I don't like. And it's not good. If it's other people, the way you treat me in this house. What exactly is the issue? You know, go straight to it. So basically, there is nothing wrong in you being able to raise and you with your husband if you feel that there is something he has done that is hurting you but pay attention to the time you can't just talk anyhow anywhere amen and number two pay attention to how it is said now having said that i want to add that there are some issues in marriage even if your husband is your pastor that are usually unresolvable you know between couples amen because you are not just seeing it the way he's seeing it, and he's not seeing it the way you're seeing it. And in such situations, you might need the help of someone who you both, you know, submit to, you both respect, someone who is not necessarily a family member, so that there is no bias, you know, not your family, not his family, someone who is neutral. I always say that, you see, every family, every, every couple, I mean, should have someone that they are submitted to, someone that can talk to them, someone that can call them to other. So there are situations like that that you might need, you know, to speak to, such a spiritual father or a mentor or you know someone you both respect but let me have this it is not every issue you call a mentor about it is not every issue you know you call a spiritual father about if not you know you don't want to bring him to a level where um you remove the honor on him praise god you know hello um please my husband did not eat my food yesterday that's not necessary but there are major issues you understand that that you could bring to him but of course try to resolve every issue with your own husband you know at an appropriate time 
And I think many of us would need to learn how to talk, you know, to men. It's something to learn. It doesn't come naturally. I mean, I remember earlier on in my marriage, my husband would say, you don't know how to talk to a man. And I'm wondering, that, okay, is there a way to say it? You know, this is where I've been speaking all my life. And here my husband says, you don't know how to talk to a man. And I'm wondering. So I had to, you know, go on a retreat asking the Holy Spirit to teach me. How am I supposed to talk to a man? And it's just a revelation away. When you see it, you know that, oh, 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 I get it. And when I got it, I mean, I got it. And I believe it's a training. I mean, of course, it wasn't like it happened at once. I had to start training myself in how to talk to, you know, a man. And sincerely right now, it's just a lot better Yes, he's my pastor. Yes, he's my husband. But I can raise things with him. And all these things will be sorted and will be fine. Discerning timing and discerning how to say it. Glory to God. You know, you have to start learning. Yorubas will say, Agbe Kaleoro. Amen. In that sense. Okay? So, I believe I've been able to um, answer that question. But if you're still not satisfied, okay, when we get to paraministry affairs, you can raise the question again and maybe more specifically. Wow, thank you so much for that answer. That was so explicit. Great grace, ma. Thank you so much, ma. All right, so the next question How does one choose the right team members in terms of commitment and skills, especially when the ministry is still small or in beginning stages? Mm, okay. So the ministry is still small, is in the beginning stages, and you want to choose what? The, the right, right team members. members. All right, praise God. Now, let me just say this about when ministry is just starting. When ministry is just starting, the hands you have are the available hands. Never, you know, um, never mistaking available hands for saint hands. They are two different things. Glory to God. So what happens is those available hands at that time can be given responsibility but not leadership. Glory to God. Now, if people come on a team and you say, okay, you, you'll be in charge of this, um, anchor this for this program, nothing permanent. You, you're going to anchor this for, you know, the next six months. Let people take up responsibilities, not leadership positions. Now, um, it's only in <laughs> some Christian things that I see people entrust leadership to people who have not been tested and proven. Even God. Despite the fact that God has called one, you are going to be tested and proven. Amen. You go through your tests. Abraham went through his. Every called person does. You will go through your tests. Amen. So um, allow, allow the, the grace of God and time to prove these people. You understand? So that you can begin to know what is in their hearts. People join ministries for different reasons. I tell you, many join for the right reasons and a number also join for the wrong reasons. Now, one of the things that causes challenges is when you mistakenly or not deliberately put someone who is in that ministry for a wrong reason in a leadership position. Glory to God. So it's not something to hurry. If people don't bear... Um, leader so 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 minister so 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 pastor so 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 they will carry out the responsibilities you give them 
you shouldn't be too quick to start putting people in leadership positions but you can give assignments you can give responsibility and allow time now at the time you begin to discern people you know um it takes different number of years and all that you begin to see people who are not committed who are not hard-working people you can depend on people you cannot depend on it also gives you the leverage of prayer you can also pray and say lord who are those that you have actually sent to help this work because if it is a work that is commissioned by god i tell you god has sent you helpers there will be people that are sent by god by ordination to help that work. Amen. So I believe I answered your question. Wow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Wow. Never mistake available hands for saints' hands. Thank you so much, Mommy. We've got that. Okay, so number three, in the area of placement specific ministry, what if the wife is a ministry gift and the husband and the husband isn't? Is he expected to follow her? Oh wow. Okay, so the wife is a ministry gift and um the husband is not. Now, one of the things I'm not sure I touched in this year's ministry is that a woman can be sent to start a work, okay, or to pastor under another ministry gift that God has given an assignment. I don't know if I mentioned all that. A woman can also be sent to just have like an itinerant ministry. A woman can be called, you know, alongside her husband. I think I stated those things. So, when you talk about the woman being a ministry gift here, okay, the woman can do her assignment, you know, beside her husband without the husband necessarily having to follow her. I mean, if it is not a church work. Amen. So, if the assignment is now a church work, aha, that's what is different. Or number two, if the assignment is now something that is, you know, maybe a big ministry, like we have Joyce Mayer in that sense, you know, doing um, front ministry and she does it big time and that's what she's called to do. So um, those, I think, are the two places where followership becomes an issue. Now, let me say this, that you are a ministry gift as a woman, okay, and um, your husband is not a ministry gift, does not make you the head of the marriage. Amen. So in marriage, your husband is still the head. He is the leader. In marriage, you submit to him. But paraventure, the Lord says to start a work, which your husband too should have um, um, a witness to, okay? Now, when it comes to pastoring in church, maybe you started a work as a pioneer, you are the leader in church, not your husband. Glory to God. Okay, but your husband, of course, may also rise and come into some leadership, maybe some administrative roles and what have you. But when it comes to your husband, cannot say that he's not a ministry gift, and he says that because I, um, I'm the man, go and sit down. I want to preach today. I know. Do you understand that? Because it's about the call. It's about the call. So, and um, you know, I said this that it's important that a woman in ministry is submitted to an authority. So, in this situation, because your husband is not a ministry gift, it means that your husband is definitely not the authority you are submitted to. You see that? Because he is not a ministry gift. I mean, the ministry, not the marriage now. 
Glory to God. So you would need an authority figure that you are submitted to. And this person, you know, should be someone that your husband can relate with well. So that if you are having issues, you know, with authority question, with uh, who should do this in church, the person can, you know, come in and help you resolve it amicably in a way that it does not affect your marriage. Now, if you are called into ministry and you are beginning to have crisis with your husband, one of the things you need to do, especially if your husband is not called, is that you might need to be patient with ministry and fix your home. Glory to God. Because if you lose that testimony, it's going to affect a number of things, you know. It's going to affect a number of things in your life and even in your ministry, ultimately. And this kind of woman, you need to really be praying for your husband. Because sometimes the challenge is not with the husband, but with people who have um, like a cultural mindset and feel like you, you are sitting down, your wife is preaching. Can't you see other churches? You know, and if the man is not careful, this kind of suggestions can seep into the inner consciousness. So you really need to be praying for your husband. Amen. Amen. This is easier in some cultures, but in cultures like the African culture, I tell you, you're going to require a lot of grace. And you must identify that there is possibly going to be a challenge in this area. You know, God help us so that you are also deliberate to ensure that you are not giving the devil, you know, a foothold in your marriage and in your ministry. Amen. But it's very possible that a woman is a ministry gift and she's married to a man who is not a ministry gift glory to god so when it comes to where to settle where to do ministry um it's it's of course it's it's, it's a funny interplay your husband decides where the family is okay and then maybe you feel you should do ministry elsewhere now what to do is not to pack your load and go and do ministry elsewhere what to do is to go on your knees and pray to the god of heaven you see, you must believe in the ability of God to touch men, the ability of God to transform men. Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of God and is able to turn it whithersoever he wills. You must believe in God's ability to do that. You must believe in that scripture. So what to do is not to fight in the physical. Not what to do is not to try to, you know, manipulate things in the physical. What to do is to get on your knees and seek the face of God. He's the one that called you. Say, God, you that called me encounter my husband lord speak to him you are the one telling me to move to this city for this work you see let me say this you know one of the wisdoms that you have to embrace or one of the things you one of the things you need to embrace as a woman a wise woman is that a kingdom that is set against itself okay cannot stand glory to god you see, it is God himself that ordained the marriage institution, right? It is God that is calling you. So you are fine. <laughs> Amen. Go back to the same God. Glory to God. Go back to the same God. Now, for instance, I'm submitted to my own husband. He is a ministry gift in ministry. But there are times that maybe I perceive I should do this, and he says he doesn't have a witness. I don't say, hey, no, I bet God, I bet God, I'm going to start, I'm going to start. No. I'll say, okay, um, whenever you hear God, sir, I'll be waiting. Amen. 
And I go on my news. I say, oh God of heaven, you that spoke to me, speak to my husband. And it's amazing. I tell you, the results are amazing if you believe in God's ability to do that. Because sometimes that is not yet seeing it is your test. Will you run ahead of spiritual principles? Will you break the marital principles that God put on ground? Are you so, is he, is he about an ambition? Are you so desperate that you can't even wait on the God who called and commanded the thing? Glory to God. You see, there are some basic understandings that I have about marriage. My husband is a son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. We are both children of God. I didn't marry the child of the devil. Glory to God. The devil is not my father-in-law. Amen. The same God that is my father is my father-in-law in that sense. Then I speak to him. If he commanded it in the first place, then Lord, speak to your son. Help your son. And uh, one of the things you need to marry with that is patience. Don't be in haste. In fact, the moment you are a woman and your husband is not, and you are a ministry gift, your husband is not a ministry gift, you have to learn patience. <laughs> Even if it's going to be by the things you suffer. Jesus Christ learned patience by the things he suffered. You have to learn patience. Glory to God. So that would be my answer to that question. I hope I was able to answer your question. Glory to God. Wow, thank you so much, Ma. Thank you, Ma, for that answer. Okay, so the next question. Is it possible to be called as a prophet, an intercessor, a ministry, and also into specific health ministry, for example, ministry to the poor, and into career all at the same time, Ma? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me just say something about the call, okay? Um, primarily, uh, God has called everyone into, you know, something very, very specific. Amen. You can either be a ministry gift, you know, you can be called into specific um, helps ministry, you know, specific ministry. You can be called into helps ministry. Glory to God. Okay. Um, but there are times that people, we, we spoke about it. The way God raises his ministers is different. I remember Kenneth Hagin thought for a long time in his life that he was a teacher of the word. Until when God told him that I actually ordained you a prophet. Amen. Okay. So it was more of like a prophetic teacher. Glory to God. Now, um, when I just got born again, I knew that God was, you know, calling me and he wanted me to work for him. He wanted me to do ministry for him. But I didn't even have any knowledge like uh, ministry gifts in that sense. So I didn't even know there was ministry gift. But then I used to call myself an intercessor because one of the things the Lord raised me with was intercessions. Glory to God. So I used to think that, you know, I'm an intercessor. So the Lord spoke to me one day and said, I have called you as so, so, so. And, you know, there's something God said to me that I've not even started seeing that dimension as that yet. But I know that this is what God said to me and I believe it. Amen. So there is a call on you. But sometimes in your path to that place, you will go through you know, some things. You might even go and assume a ministry. That's why I say, if God has not called you that, he has not told you that this is your assignment, don't assume a ministry. Now, because I'm graced in something, it's possible to assume that that's my calling. For instance, maybe you say administration, you say, ah, that's my calling. But that's not my calling. 
Glory to God. You know, I remember there was a time that I used to get a lot of invitations for relationship meetings. You know, yes, I'm graced in that area. I acknowledge God's grace. But I'm not called as a relationship minister in that sense. That's not my primary calling. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But, you know, I could have sat down with that and, I mean, just be teaching on relationship. And it's we ah. I will be, be, I will bless people, but God says, no, that's not why I ordained you to be primarily. That's just one of the graces you carry. Okay. So it's possible to see multiple dimensions of graces in your life. Okay. But it is God that will say to you who he has called you to be. And it might even be something you will enter into with time. Now, having said that, your question says, can someone be an intercessor, a prophet, a minister? Now, let me say this. Every prophet is an intercessor. If there is a prophet that is not interceding, he's not a prophet. Every prophet is an intercessor. Glory to God. But not all intercessors are prophets. Please take note of that. But every prophet, the moment the Lord says, I have called you as a prophet, you know, one of the things you have to pay attention to is that you are called into intercession. Now, I'm not talking about the ministry of a prophet. Nobody asked me. But let me just give you that clue that if you are a prophet, you know, the New Testament prophets, I thought somebody was going to ask me that question, but I've not, I've not seen that question. I've not had that question as that now so i believe that um, you very well understand it but it's important to know that every prophet is called into intercessions glory to god hallelujah so i believe i answered your question god bless you amen and amen thank you ma okay so our next question what should a pastor's wife that is an abusive marriage do hmm a pastor's wife that is in an abusive marriage wow all right um it's um an anomaly let me start with that a pastor should not be abusing his wife but um it has happened and it does happen sometimes you know why because um, of course, there are many reasons, but primarily it will still boil down to the fact that the man is not doing the word, especially in that area. He's not acting on the word because there is no portion, there is no part of scriptures that will permit or, sub or support a man abusing his wife. No. What the Bible teaches us, if you read the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and you start the reading from verse 24, is that you love her as your own body. You love her as Christ loves the church. In fact, Bible goes ahead to say that if a man, you know, would um, abuse his wife, is like abusing his own body. Can you take your body and, you know, you begin to whip it and beat it? But if you're doing that to your wife, that's what you're doing to yourself. Amen. So something is out of place there. And obviously, there is a need for help. Now, this man is your husband. Do not forget that, okay? So don't let the enemy take you to an edge where you begin to, you know, use your thoughts and your imaginations against your husband because he is abusive. I want you to rather see it this way, that this man needs help. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. It's an anomaly. A man that will stand before the congregation and preach 
and tell people, you know, what is right, show people the way of righteousness. Now get home and is practicing on righteousness first class. Is an anomaly. Glory to God. So, number one, I want to, you know, first of all say to you um, that mm, I know that that could be rather tough. I, 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 I mean, uh, my heart reaches out to you. But the truth is that you might want to, you might know that you will have to bear some things while you believe God for his change. Amen. All right. But it's not going to be about bearing, bearing, bearing until, you know, the abuse turns into something that can, you know, bring you to um, um, a halt or uh, a destruction. God forbid. So what to do is that you have to first of all acknowledge that there is a problem here. There is an anomaly. Okay. Now, the second thing to do is I want you to start praying for your husband. Glory to God. Now, don't get to a place where you can't pray for him again. He is your husband, the father of your children. Glory to God. Pray for your husband. He needs prayers. It's not right to be blessing people in church and be, you know, beating your own self at home. Glory to God. Okay. Number three what to do is this kind of situations will need a spiritual father someone that can call him to order and he will listen now in this situation you will not go and meet your own parents in fact this kind of things you can't say it outside that my pastor my husband who is a pastor is beating me ah how even your parents will wonder and it can affect so many things okay so um you walk up to your spiritual father and speak to him if you speak to his own parents and everything they may even you know um, feel bad for you talk to him but what if he doesn't change glory to god so what to do is to involve a spiritual father who is your husband submitted to in ministry you know it's not right to be in ministry and there is nobody that you are submitted to so if you are wrong who calls you to order amen okay so it is good that you meet his spiritual father and um, discuss these things don't think you know some men also say don't go and report me to my spiritual father don't spoil my reputation this is not it then that means he's not your spiritual father is your you know um it's, it's someone you are trying to impress a father is someone you can open up to and you know there is no there is no fear of of being betrayed or that it should be used against you glory to god so you should be able to open up to your spiritual father the spiritual covering over your husband and um, you may tell your husband you are doing it you may not tell him hallelujah go and speak of these things they will be able to call him and call him to order now if this persists okay and it's becoming especially life-threatening um there might be a need for a separation glory to god not a divorce place a separation now i've seen men that when their wives separated from them after a long time of abuse or maybe um not too not too long anyway a medium term of abuse and she leaves the, the they come back to their senses like what are they doing glory to god especially if she does it prayerfully so something to stagger him something to let him know that you know this wife is also i mean a human being and should not be abused okay 
Praise God. Amen. Now, another thing I want you to also look at is as a woman, are there things I am doing that is causing my husband to be aggressive? Many a times, you know, we focus a lot on the fact that a marriage is abusive, the husband is abusing the wife, and um, which of course is not right. I can never support, you know, abuse. But the truth is sometimes we also need to look closely. Is there anything the woman is also doing, you know, to um, um, aggravate the situation or to to cause the man to be aggressive for instance the way some women speak to their husband oh jesus you know um um so many years ago um, a man called us and was going to speak to us about his wife we didn't know them you know myself and my husband someone introduced them to us and while the man was speaking to us the woman just took the phone at the and began to talk i'm like jesus and the things she said oh my god amen yeah i know the man maybe had done something that pained her but listen there are some ways you don't talk there are some ways you don't talk to your husband. Amen. So are there things that the woman is also doing? Is there a male friend in your life that your husband is not comfortable with and you feel like, ah, what is it? It's just my friend. No, you can't feel that way. You are in a marriage covenant. So sometimes the woman too needs to examine herself. And, you know, if she has a mentor, it's good for her to also speak to a mentor. A mentor also may be able to look into those issues because they are also meant to be looked into so if we remove the aggravating factors okay and we help the man and you're praying for him i believe there will be a solution um i i believe that divorce is not god's will for any couple especially you are in ministry glory to god so with the wisdom of god it will be settled but where the major challenge is is where the man has no spiritual covering when there's nobody that can talk to him. You know, a lady called me about four years ago. Someone gave her my number and um, she was talking to me about her husband. And I felt that, well, what you and your husband are going through is not um, so difficult a situation if someone can just speak to your husband, you know? And she tells me nobody can talk to her husband. That's a dangerous place to be. You know, even as a human being, you should never get there that nobody can even call you to order. What if something happens and you, you are just walking the wrong path? You mean nobody can talk to you and you will listen? No, God forbid, we will never get there. So, women, encourage your husband. It's not for reporting. It's just, I mean, there should still be someone that can be a voice of caution in your life. And that is very, very key. So I believe if you follow those steps, there will be a resolution. But importantly, I'm stressing again, pray for your husband. Hallelujah. All right, thank you very much. I hope I answered that question um, the way that it's, you know, answered it for you and resolved the issue. If not, there is one more opportunity at um, asking the question glory to god hallelujah amen and amen. amen wow thank you so much ma thank you ma okay so our next question what does it really mean to dedicate or make a vow with a child as anna did regarding someone in our contemporary age 
Does it mean the child will be a ministry gift or will be into full-time ministry? Or the child could also have a calling into career, business, or other similar platforms. Please, I will appreciate clarity on this, ma'am. Okay, so what does it mean to what? Make a vow. To dedicate or make a vow to the child. On a child. All right, praise God. Um, well, basically, what it means is the content of the vow. Hallelujah. Praise now, God. if you study Anna's vow over Samuel, Anna practically said that we give this child to you. Amen. Amen. And that was what she did. That was the content of her vow. So if um, I remember there was someone that I was praying for at some point and the Lord said to me that there is a vow on him. So I had to stop prayer. I said, the Lord said there is a vow on your life. He looked at me, he said a vow. I said, you need to go and talk to your mother. Is your mother alive? He said, yes. So he went to talk to his mother. And for the first time, the mother was opening up to him that she did not have a baby for about five years of marriage and she made a vow to the lord that if you give me a child let him be a ministry gift and serve you for the rest of his life he had tried so many things nothing was working and this is a brilliant young man you know and he sat down he said but mommy why didn't you tell me hallelujah and you know he, he left everything. He went to seek the face of God, of course, with the guidance of pastors and all that. And he heard God by himself. He said, you are mine. There's a vow over you. And he came into full-time ministry and everything began to work. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Vows are still as powerful as they were then today. Amen. And that's why you should not, in fact, do a study on vow as a person. You know, type the word vow on your search. Now, every scripture that contains vow, study it. God does not joke with vows. Though. You come to God, maybe you are under a particular challenge and say, God, if you do this for me, I will do this. You better do it. God will be standing, waiting for that which you vowed. Amen. Amen. So vows are that important. And uh, what it means is the content of the vow. What did the person vow? That is the vow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's not negotiable. If God has said that I give the, I mean, if the mother has said, I give this child to you, oh God, and it will serve you and you only for the rest of his life. Ah, that child may try to go into IT and nothing is working. Do you understand what I mean? Things may even work and he doesn't have peace. There is always, there will just be something drawing him and drawing him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So vows are that very very powerful and this generation needs to be taught that you don't just open your mouth in the presence of god to say something you don't mean god does not joke with vows amen, amen. glory to god hallelujah wow thank you very much man thank you for showing us that the content of the vow is very important so it's it means different things to different people the vow is based on the content of what you have released unto God. So we must take care of our words. Our words mean so much to God and we cannot afford to be careless with them. Thank you very much, Ma. Yeah, okay, so our next question. Since we are meant to lead the lean of spectacular ways up to God, why then do most of our prayer points include supplication for encounters, for, in, well, for our pastors, for ourselves, for us, 
for our services, for special programs. Okay. In fact, we are always praying for encounters. Encounters. Wow, glory to God. Hallelujah. We are always praying for encounters and we yet pray for encounters. Glory to God. Okay, so let me just quickly say this. Um, the topic was how God speaks to us. You understand that? Um, how, we, we, how, how God speaks. That was what led us into the spectacular ways amen so the spectacular ways there are talking about you know you need to make a decision you are not waiting for an for an encounter do you understand that it's always an encounter god must speak to you you are not paying attention to the basic um how do i put it the divine ways of god speaking to you you always want an encounter so you want to go out in the morning and um you want to make a decision to go or not to go you want to wait for an encounter so what we are saying there is that these are not ways that you should live your life on and be seeking for now what you call an encounter is much more than god speaking to us there's a dimension of, of encounters that could be god speaking to you sometimes encounters in scriptures okay are sent to realign us sometimes encounters in scriptures are sent to you know um make us take a brand new path i mean look at the encounter of moses glory to god um, at the burning bush his life the way he was living it before then was that he was a shepherd right he could have lived all his life a shepherd a wealthy one you know with a lot of flock and all that but the encounter came and caused what a total total deviation a new way you know to answer a new path so encounters is not just about god speaking to us on daily things amen, amen. and that's what we are saying you know you cannot be seeking the spectacular you need to take a decision whether to do this business or not the person proposing the business is right in front of you and you have to answer right now or you 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 or you have to rise answer right now or the business is gone away from you. Amen. You don't go and sleep to wait for a dream. Spectacular. You don't start waiting for an encounter. So that's what we are saying. That, you know, pay attention to the divine ways that God himself desires to lead his children. Now, if the Lord gives you an encounter, why not? Then don't become so hungry. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, you cannot desire, Lord, ah, if you can just grant me a revelation, you know, or something. But, like, you are all after it. You begin to seek it so much that even when familiar spirits are foiling this, you are not sensing you see that glory to god so the word encounters is beyond just the spectacular way of god speaking to us it's much more than that it's all encompassing you can be in a meeting and have an encounter you know with the lord in that meeting and it changes everything okay an encounter can bring you to a place where you have healings you see that an encounter can bring you to a place where you have knowings. An encounter can bring you to a place of revelation and insight that you begin to see into dimensions of the spirit. So there is nothing wrong with asking God for encounters. Come on. Amen. Amen. Encounters are beyond, you know, just a spectacular way of God speaking to you. Like, um, marry this man. Don't marry this man. So what I'm saying in the fact that I was talking about encounters as a way of God speaking to us. God can speak to us through encounters, but encounters are beyond that. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see that? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So 
please desire encounters again and again you can be reading your scripture okay and your eyes open to one particular scripture and there is so much light and illumination that's an encounter glory to god so an encounter is beyond i mean just the spectacular way of god speaking to us so desire encounters i desire one you know i have a program going on and um, i'm honestly believing god for a mighty mighty encounter glory to god so don't stop asking god and believing him for encounters god bless you amen and amen thank you so much Mark. all right wow so we must not limit encounters to the place where we're just seeking to hear god mm. so encounter is much more than that yes it is embedded in that but it is much more than a way for god to speak to us thank you so much Mark. hallelujah praise god mm. all right so our next question is Mommy, can you can a person have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Can a person have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Okay, I believe you are. If you are talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit here, you are talking about um, the gift as stated in the book of First Corinthians chapter twelve. You know, starting the reading from verse eight, dear about. So you're talking about the power gifts. You're talking about the revelation gifts, and you're talking about the utterance gifts. Glory to God, mm -hmm. and that is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discernment of spirits, the power gifts. You have the the gift of special faith, the gift of working of miracles, and um, the gift of healings. And um, under the whole trans gift, you have the gift of diverse tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy, simple prophecy. That doesn't make you a prophet. Glory to God. So the question now says, can a person have all? Why not? Glory to God. Why not? The key to the gifts of the spirit is desire. Amen. Amen. It's desire. Glory to God. So the gift of the Spirit is not like um, spectacular ways <laughs> of God speaking to you. Bible says that you should desire spiritual gifts. Amen. Amen. So the key is desire. If you want it, you know the usefulness of it. Hallelujah. I mean, I sat down, I was looking at the nine gifts. By God's grace, there is no dimension I have not operated. Amen. Why? Because it's been my desire all my life. I want to walk in all the nine dimensions of the gifts of the Spirit. So it depends on what you want. Amen. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of these things even come as equipment to some ministry offices. I'll give you an example. Anytime you have someone who is a prophet, not someone who is just operating the prophetic gift. You say somebody is a prophet, a ministry gift that is a prophet. One of the ways you are going to know is that supplied into that person, there are two key giftings that will come with it. The first is the gift, you know, of knowledge. The word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discernment of spirits. There are equipments in the office of a, of a prophet. And secondly, is the all trans gifts, the revelational gifts and the all trans gifts. Glory to God. They come as equipments in the office of a prophet. You see that? So you're going to see prophets operate in diverse tongues. I've never found my tongue for one year to be the same. It's, I mean, I, I speak in diverse tongues with interpretations. Hallelujah. Sometimes I pray in tongues and I know the interpretation of what I'm saying. All right. So you see that then I, I, I can give simple prophecy. Hallelujah. So you see that um, I'm primarily called as a prophetic evangelist anyway. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I see this as equipment 
you know, in the office that God has called me into. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. And um, there are people that, when you say someone is an evangelist, okay, an evangelist. Now, people will stand in the office of an evangelist. One of the ways you know is that some or all of the power gifts will follow them. It's an equipment in the office of an evangelist. Glory to God. Now, when you say someone is an apostle, oh my God, <laughs> hallelujah. In fact, it's almost very, very natural or constant for apostles to operate the night gifts. Amen. Because they are equipment in their office. Now, should you be a ministry gift to operate the gifts of the Spirit? No. All you need is desire. But let me say something to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not gifts for you. Amen. Like, you just have them and you keep them with you. They are for ministry. You use them to minister to people. So if you are caught, maybe you've prayed, you desire, God gives you the gift of the word of wisdom or maybe simple prophecy. And you are in meetings. The Holy Spirit is inspiring you to prophesy. You always kill it. You will shut him up. (laughs) You know, the inspiration comes, you silence it. You know, because you are shy or because you don't know how people will respond. Amen. Before you know it, okay, you will discover that that inspiration will stop coming. Not because the gift has been taken away from you, because the giftings of God are without repentance. But you are not using it. God is not a waste of, um, <laughs> of his giftings. Glory to God. And one thing about, you know, these giftings is that they are in, they are in depth. They are in, they are in different dimensions. And as you use it, you begin to see those dimensions, you know, get intensified more and more. Hallelujah. So some people have some spiritual gifts that they've not been using. So it's, the manifestation will not be intensified. Glory to God. But absolutely going back to your question, there is no reason why a believer cannot manifest the nine gifts if you so desire and you pray to God. You know, the key is desire. But you see that there's another key to it. Constant use of it for ministry. Hallelujah. You must use it for ministry. It's not just to gather gifts and say, don't you know me too, I have this gift. Ah, God doesn't work that way. Amen. I believe I was able to answer that question. Yes, yes. Thank you, ma'am. The gifts of God are not for you. They are for ministry. And it's not for you to hurt. You are supposed to minister to people. Thank you so much, ma'am, for that. Okay, so our next question, how do I know I have the gift of healing? Is it when I constantly display the healing gift? Because as Christians, we are admonished to pray for the sick. If all Christians pray for the sick and they are healed, does it mean we all have the gift of healing? All right, praise God. Now, if you go to the book of Mark chapter 16 and um, you start the reading, let's say around verse um, 14, 15, 16, there about. Okay, one of the things you will notice is that the believer will pray for the sick and the sick shall what? Shall recover. Amen. Amen. Shall do what? Shall recover. So this constant sign is to follow believers. Believers, those who believe. Glory to God. So you can go pray for someone that has a simple malaria and or even a complicated malaria what have you amen. amen and you see that the person will just recover from that moment that you prayed that's what we follow believers now when you see the gift of healing in manifestation all right one of the things that mark the gift of healings is that more often than not you have instant healing you see that it is instantaneous 
Glory to God. Because you see, what you call the gift of healing is the ministering of dunamis that has been given to you as a gift. It's it's like, you know, you, you were given a portion of dunamis as a gift to dole out to people. You see that? Glory to God. So one of the marks of the gift of healing is instant healing. Now, is it possible to minister to someone with the gift of healing and the person would actually um, recover? It's possible, but this is it. The person is healed immediately, but maybe the, Ill, the, the sickness had had some complications, you know, that will recover over time. But when, most, more often than not, the manifestation of the gift of healing gives you instant healing. The, the, the man of God laid hands on me and instantly the pain disappeared instantly the swelling disappeared those are manifestations of the gift of healing hallelujah but for believers we pray for people believers i stress that again believers we pray for people and um, they get healed in the manifestation of the gift of healing yes fundamentally everything has to do with believe but in that sense when the gift of healing is manifesting it doesn't need the faith of the person who wants to receive it in that sense Praise God. It doesn't need it. You minister the power and that is it. It is gone. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, so basically I think um, I was able to answer that question. Yes, Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Ma. That was profound and explicit enough. For Glory us to God. Glory to God. Okay, so our next question. Do we need to consciously seek for the prophetic? Hmm. Do we need to consciously seek for the prophetic? Oh. All right, um, the prophetic is the realm, is, is a realm in the spirit. Hallelujah. So I need to know what you understand as the prophetic. Amen. Okay, because if it's what I understand as the prophetic, then there is nothing wrong in asking God for the gift of simple prophecy, for instance. That's the prophetic. Amen. Amen. And, um, you know, I have a mentor that would always say, even if you are not called as a prophet, be a prophet of your own self. You see, the spirit you have in you is the spirit of the prophets, is the Holy Spirit, is the all-knowing spirit. Now, if you look at the book of John 14, 15, 16, talking about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that thrill me in it is that the fact that you have the Holy Spirit, you should know all things. Because the Bible says it will teach you all things. Now, the fact that you have the Holy Spirit, he says he will tell you of things to come. You see that? Those are prophetic dimensions. They sit in the Holy Spirit. That's not necessarily, you know, you operating the gift of the word of wisdom or the gift of the word of knowledge. But you see, you are not trapped in your life. You are not, you are not in a place where you know nothing about what is to come. You see that? You can pray, you can seek him, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Daughter, by this same time next year, this is what will happen. Position yourself. You are just a Christian. That's the prophetic. It's a manifestation of the prophetic. But that does not make you a prophet. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see that? So there are dimensions in God. And many of these dimensions are prophetic dimensions. So pray and seek the prophetic. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ask God to fill you with the Spirit. Ask God to show you things to come, to open your eyes. Hallelujah. I don't want to walk like a mule without understanding in this world. Lord, show me your things to come. Yes, you can pray. Those are, the, those are prophetic dimensions. 
Amen. Amen. So yes, if that's what you're talking about, yes. But if what you mean is that can we pray to be a prophet? No. You cannot pray to be a prophet. Prophets are ministry gifts that are given by God. Hallelujah. You cannot pray and pray and say, God, make me a prophet, make me a prophet. The best you will have is to have the gift of simple prophecy. Amen. Amen. Prophets are people. They are, they are calling pre, predates their existence. Before they were formed in their mother's womb, they were ordained prophets. Hallelujah. Okay, I, um, I don't know if I, <laughs> I addressed that question, you know. Um, but, but I believe I did. I believe did. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. I believe it did. So it, yeah. was, it was so clear. Mm. All right, so let's move quickly to the next question. How do I balance the reading of God's word and reading of spiritual books written by anointed ministers? Sometimes I have a lot of books I'm studying and it infiltrates into the study of God's word. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want to say this because it's a lot of, um, it's, it's one of the things that is happening in our generation. People are not reading their Bibles anymore. People are reading books. Amen. There is nothing wrong with reading books. But listen, you must have a study. For instance, I want to study on the fear of God. Glory to God. Okay, so your foundational study material is your Bible. All right? Now, in addition to that, you can now read books on the fear of God to facilitate and to expound your study of the Bible. Now, especially reading books that will take you back to scriptures. You see that? So, a number of Christians do it this way. I want to, I just want to um, read this book. Are you taking up a study in that line? Have you found out for yourself what Bible says about it? Now, in your church, you're treating maybe prayer. Have you yourself gone to study on the, you know, um, the, the, the doctrine of prayer, the concept of prayer from scriptures. Have you opened? How many scriptures do you know on prayer or the effect of prayer? Do you understand that? Now, you see some people, they will just run to get books on prayer. Now, books, amen, are not bad if they come from the right sources. But I need you to know that the sources of books are various. And a book cannot be void of the influence that inspired it. Glory to God. You know, I've had, you know, some people go through, I've heard of people go through demonic, I mean, deliverance sessions that contacted demons in books. You see that? Glory to God. So don't let your trust for knowledge, okay, take you to a place where your study is not, first of all, founded on the Word of God. It must be founded on the Word of God and trust the Holy Spirit to expound scriptures in your heart. Be Berean enough to go and study your Bible. Now, books will help. Amen. Amen. Books will help. All right? And you also have to be sensitive about who authors the book you are reading. Like I said before, I'm saying it again, a book is not void of the influence that inspired it. Did the Holy Spirit inspire that book? Did greed inspire it? I want to make money. Or did the devil outrightly inspire it? Glory to God. So it's very, very important. But having said that, you must take note that books are good, okay? 
but please ensure that you know the author of the book and is someone that you you can safely trust as a minister of god don't just see topics you know and read i had someone that read a book um on light said um, something about light and the person did not know that he was going to introduce her to eastern religion and the person started doing mind travel and before you know it the whole thing got off and and you know things like that praise god so pay attention to reading your bible now if you have something you are studying you can now read books to guide you along that line and books must take you back to scriptures glory to god and trust the holy spirit to expand those scriptures in your hearts amen amen and amen hallelujah wow thank you so much ma so the bible is priority is it sets the standard for everything yeah. and everything we need god has given to us in his word hallelujah. we just need to search it out thank Glory you so much ma. I, I, I saw that and i believe every one of us has seen it too all right so our final question for today okay is how important is the speaking of diverse tongues to the body of christ wow how important is the speaking of diverse tongues? Is it the speaking in tongues? Is it speaking in tongues or speaking of diverse tongues? You know, um, that question is a little tricky. You know, um, okay, so this is what I will do. Before the end of this course, okay, um, we are going to be listening to the message, to a message, importance of speaking in tongues because that's a whole teaching. If I have to take that in this session, then I'm going to teach today. Glory to God. Oh, yeah. But having said that, if you read the book of First Corinthians chapter 14, you would understand that speaking in tongues is very, very important. Now, primarily, I just say this. When a believer is filled with the Spirit, one way to keep getting filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. So is speaking in tongues important? When we are meant to live our lives being filled with the spirit glory to god Hallelujah. all right now speaking in tongues um uh, it's it's amazing thank god thank god for the privilege to speak in tongues of course you know that they are inspired utterances by the spirit of god in an unknown language it's so amazing now i've had situations where you know i just i just perceive that something is not right i just you know it's just it's just the perception within me like ah, something is out of place but i cannot particularly place my hands on what is out of place glory to god amen. now what do you do in such a moment amen. amen what do you do let me give you an instance you know there was a day i love to use instances you know before i you know um, was ordained the pastor became a pastor as a believer so that day i woke up in the morning like any other beautiful morning and um, i packed my books i was going to class they, i didn't have lectures that morning so i wanted to go and read and i remember that on my way to going to class there was just this unrest i could not describe it but i could not deny what i was picking up in my spirit it was just a strong unrest ah what's happening what's going on i could not answer it but i had a knowing that ah go and pray 
go and attend to this thing don't ignore and i want to charge you don't ignore divine promptings you know last week we spoke about how the spirit of god you know speaks to us and one of it is inner witness that of your spirit inner perceptions glory to god don't ignore it a life might be tied to it amen, amen. so um one day the spirit of god told me that many of the things we see are number one believers missing in action number two believers ignoring promptings of the spirit amen, amen. so I, I i i i went off to my prayer you know place at that time and when i got there is a situation that i don't know what to pray <laughs> as i ought to all i know is that there's just this unrest in my spirit so i started praying in tongues i just started praying in tongues and i got to a place where i was praying in tongues so intensely Amen. Amen. And I was trusting God to show me what I was praying about. Do you know I haven't prayed in tongues for about 45 minutes, one hour there about. I just knew what I was praying for. I just knew. In the place of prayer. Hallelujah. And it started out with just an unrest within me. And what I was praying about had to do with the family member's life. Amen. So immediately I understood it, I began to address it in understanding. And I say in the name of Jesus, devil, get your filthy hands off this one. That plot to kill him will not stand. I stand today. You know, I began to make declarations. And after a while of praying, of declaring, I just had peace within me. It came like rivers. It came like cool waters. In my spirit, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that it was done. I had prayed through. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I left it at that. Guess what? At that particular time, the person was going through something that would have taken his life. And that's why you see a number of Christians have been missing in action. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So praying in tongues, in fact, ah, I, I, that one, I can sit inside it and speak to you of dimensions in the spirit. I remember there was a time a young lady came to see me, I can't forget, and um, she was so sad, she was so down, and I was concerned. I said, what is happening? She said, she has been praying about a matter, and the Holy Spirit just quickened it in her to come and see me. You know, I wasn't a pastor. I was just a Christian and I just felt, okay, so what's the matter? You know, by the time she finished telling me the matter, even myself, I felt like, Holy Spirit, you come and miss me to do what? <laughs> like, oh my God, you mean you are going through all this? And I asked within, I said, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? And he spoke up. And the Spirit of God said to me, pray with her. I said, what do I pray? He said, don't touch it in the flesh, just pray in tongues. So I told her, I said, you know what? We are going to start praying. And we are going to pray in tongues one hour every day. And the Holy Spirit said, do it with her for 21 days. And you know, we embarked on it. We prayed one hour every day for 21 days. And after it, by the time we got to day 20, I knew, more than I knew my name, that it was done. I just knew. Glory to God. And the last day I just told that, you see, yes, we are going to pray in tongues. We are going to be rejoicing. We are going to be thanking God. We are going to be praising his holy name. It is done. Believe me, after
after that prayer, like two weeks after, every single thing that we're used to have, it vanished. You know, since then, you know, when she sees me, you just say, ha, ah, my prophet, my prophet. I say, ah, <laughs> small girl like me, please. Oh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, the body of Christ cannot play down. We cannot afford it because it's a blessing of our dispensation. It's one of the reasons the dispensation you know, past, was spying into our generation and wish they were part of it. Unleash yourself in praying in the Holy Ghost. Don't let a day go that you don't pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, people usually say that pray in the Holy Ghost for one hour every day. I've changed my gospel. Pray in the Holy Ghost until you are full of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's so important. It's so profound. Do you know when you pray in the Holy Ghost, Bible says that you are building up yourself like an edifice? You know, another version puts it this way. It says you are charging your battery. Glory to God. So don't charge until you are half charged. Be fully charged before you face the world out there. Praying in the Holy Ghost makes you a spiritually sensitive believer. Amen. Amen. Very important. If you allow me, I can sit down here and preach, you know, to you for one hour. Praying in the Holy Ghost? That's a big deal. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But that person said, what's the importance of praying in diverse tongues? Okay? So when you come to diverse tongues, you have come to gifts of the Spirit. You see that? Hallelujah. And what is it? Now, when you have people praying in diverse tongues, it's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit that something always, you know, um, something always, uh, what's the word now, comes with it. And that was what Paul, by the Spirit of God, was saying in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That don't just pray in tongues. Desire to have the interpretation of what you're saying. You see, by the time you start praying in diverse tongues, you are saying something. By the time you start speaking in diverse tongues, rather, you know, it has left the level of simple praying in tongues. Speaking in diverse tongues, you are saying something. And it's either you have the interpretation or someone in the congregation has the interpretation of what you are saying. Hallelujah. So, praying in diverse tongues, interp- I mean, speaking in diverse tongues, and um, the interpretation of tongues. Never forget that. It's very key in the body of Christ. And you know, I just pray right now there's a divine awakening of the body back to these spiritual giftings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen and amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. Desire the gift of diverse tongues. Desire it. It's good. Amen. amen. And in addition to it, desire the gift of interpretation of tongues. These are real gifts. I remember there was a day I was I was praying, you know, worshiping God. All of a sudden, I start speaking in tongues. My husband noticed it wasn't even my normal tongue. And, you know, his attention was caught to it. And he had the interpretation of what I was saying. And he said to me, sweetheart, do you know what you just said right now? And he said it to me. And instantly had a witness that that's what I just said in tongues. Glory to God. 
our churches need to be, be awakened to these dimensions. They are there to bless us. Glory to God. People are sometimes getting too skeptical and concerned that what of if it is fake, it is fake. At least let's operate the original first. Ah! Amen. Amen. So that the fear of it is fake, it is fake, will not deny us of the privileges that we are to enjoy in Christ. Glory to God. And one scripture always helped me. You cannot ask God for the Holy Spirit and he will give you a serpent. Abba, I believe the scriptures. Glory to God. Let that devil be cast out in Jesus' name. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you, you almost got me preaching with that, with that question. Importance of praying in tongues. Don't worry, we'll give messages that will help us, you know, along that line. Amen. Amen Glory amen. to God. Wow. Thank you so much, Mommy. I'm sure everyone has been blessed tonight. I'm sure we got answers to our questions. And like mommy said, if you have any other question, let's wait till after the end of um, paraministry affairs. So the day for question and answer will be announced. Then you can come up with your questions again. I believe every one of us have been blessed tonight. So let's just say together, thank you, mommy. <laughs> thank you, mom. We celebrate you. Wow, Love glory you. to God. We give God praise for his presence in our midst. You know, I just feel God's presence so intense right now, so intense. And in the name of Jesus, there is no distance in the spirit. Deep, deep calling unto deep. Ha 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 let Let that tongue burst forth. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Give it expression. Lord, I ask tonight in the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit everywhere. There is someone there before today you've not spoken in tongues before. Today is your day. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, be filled with the Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. Oh, Yes, let that trans out. Let it out. Let it, don't hold it back. Let it out. Let it out. Be filled with the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, thank you, Father. Glory, hallelujah. Someone rejoice in the house, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise for tonight. Amazing King, amazing God. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Um, so, um, I'm going to be releasing the assignments shortly, and um, please take notes. I want you to do those assignments. Remember what God demanded of us three months, just three months. The three months have started. You know, we've used one month out of the three months. Amen. Okay, we have gotten to a time in Refined where people who have not been participating, we have to let them go. Hallelujah. Amen. We've given about six weeks right now to allow people, you know, we know that some people wrote to us, they just got serious about three weeks ago. We are conscious of you. But people who have zero percent attendance, 
who have not been participating, it is time for us to remove you from the group. You know, um, I'm sorry about that, but we have to do that. We want to know the number of people that are committed, unrefined, and they are, you know, getting blessed. Amen. Okay, so you realize that some people will be removed from your family circle. I want to encourage you, participate. Be part of it. Be part of it. God is up to something remarkable, something tremendous, something amazing, something glorious, something beautiful. Never forget that. Ah, the refining has started, though. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> A lot is happening. The transformation has started. Okay, so please ensure that you pay attention to these things. Our assignments will come up and particularly um, this year the Lord asked me under paraministry affairs we are dealing with three main topics and because of that we are not going to be dealing with um, um, ministry and marriage this year. But the Lord rather said to me that I should give last year's message as an assignment and that's what I'm going to be doing. So this week you are listening to ministry and marriage as part of our paraministry series okay and we are going to start the paraministry next week thursday you don't want to miss it i can tell you that amen glory to god remember that tomorrow is vigil and um, please be prompt be prompt that's going to be the last 30 minutes vigil we are having every other vigil after that apart from the second Fridays of the month will be one hour videos and second Friday of the month will run two hours video. Don't forget about that. On Monday, we are how was the review of um, spirit control temperament on Monday? Hallelujah. Were you part of it? Glory to God. It was amazing. So we are going to be reviewing chapters five to ten of spirit controlled temperament and um, it's going to be an awesome time look forward to it and be part of it participate read the chapters okay no it's going to be from chapter 6 to 10 chapter 6 to 10 because we reviewed chapter 1 to 5 on monday glory to god okay and um, i'll give you a 15 minutes prayer assignment everything will be posted on your family circle pages amen remember that i love you and um, i'm praying for you and god bless you if you have more questions wait till the end of para ministry affairs feel free to ask your questions and it's going to be an awesome time all right see you again tomorrow at the video i love you and god bless you bye bye stay blessed amen